Good evening, friends. Welcome back to Sleepy Time Stories. It's been a little while since I released a new episode of this podcast. And I want you to know that I appreciate you still listening and tuning in. The plan moving forward is to start releasing more episodes of this show whenever I can. I have a variety of other shows and priorities in my life. But I don't want this show to go away. I want this show to be there for you when you need it. So I apologize for taking a break these last six months or so. So good news. You'll be getting more updates. Now, when we left off before, we were talking about the Wolf Queen, a story from the Elder Scrolls Online. So if you've been waiting for book two, you're in luck. Before we begin our story, I just want to say thank you again for your listening and your support. And if this show is helping you to rest, to relax, to find sleep, then please share it with a friend or your community or your doctor, anybody who might be interested in finding something to give them some rest and relaxation. We can all use that right now, and I'm happy to help. So without further ado, book two of the story of the Wolf Queen. It begins from the pen of the first century third era sage, Montakai, the third era year 82, a year after the wedding of his 14-year-old granddaughter, the Princess Protima, to King Antiarcho, the Nordic Kingdom of Solitude. The Emperor Uriel Septim II passed on. His son, Pelagius Septim II, was made Emperor, 
and he faced a greatly depleted treasury. Thanks to his father's poor management. As the Queen of Solitude, Fatima faced opposition from the old Nordic houses who viewed her as an outsider. Mantiarco had been widowed and his former queen was loved. She had left him a son, Prince Bathorg, who was two years older than his stepmother and loved her not. But the king loved his queen and suffered with her through miscarriage after miscarriage until her twenty-ninth year when she bore him a son. Third Era, Year 97 You must do something to help the pain, Fatima cried, baring her teeth. The healer, Kalmeth, immediately thought of a she-wolf in labor, but he put the image from his mind. Her enemies called her the Wolf Queen, or Certus, but not because of any physical resemblance. Your Majesty, there is no injury for me to heal. The pain you feel is natural and helpful for the birth. He was going to add more words of consolation, but he had to break off to duck the mirror she flung at him. I'm not a pig-nosed peasant girl, she snarled. I am the Queen of Solitude, daughter of the Emperor. Summon the Daedra. I'll trade the soul of every last subject of mine for a little comfort. My lady, said the healer nervously, drawing the curtains and blotting out the cold morning sun. It is not wise to make such offers even in jest. The eyes of oblivion are forever watching for just such a rash interjection. What would you know of oblivion, healer? She growled, but her voice was calmer, quieter. The pain had relaxed. Would you fetch me that mirror I hurled at you? Are you going to throw it again, your majesty? 
said the healer, with its hot smile, obeying her. Very likely, she said, looking at her reflection. And next time, I won't miss. But I do look fright. Is Lord Vokin still waiting for me in the hall? Yes, your majesty. Well, tell him I just need to fix my hair and I'll be with him and leave us. I'll howl for you when the pain returns. Yes, your majesty. A few moments later, Lord Vokin was shown into the chamber. He was an enormous bald man whose friends and enemies called Mount Vokin, and when he spoke it was with the low grumble of thunder. The queen was one of the very few people Vokin knew who was not the least bit intimidated by him, and he offered her a smile. My queen, how are you feeling? he asked. Damned but you're looking like springtide has come to Mount Vokin. I take it from your merry disposition that you've been made war chief, only temporary, while your husband, the king, investigates whether there is evidence behind the rumors of treason on the part of my predecessor Lord Thone. But you've planted it as I've instructed. We'll find it. Fatima smiled, propping herself up on the bed. Tell me, is Prince Barthorg still in the city? What a question, Your Highness, laughed the mountain. It's the Tournament of Stamina today. You know the prince would never miss that. The fellow invents new strategies of self-defense every year to show off during the games. Don't you recall last year? Where he entered the ring unarmored and after 20 minutes of fending off six bladesmen left the games without a scratch? He dedicated that bout to his late mother, Queen Amadetha. Yes, I recall. He's no friend to me or you, your highness. But you must give the man his due respect. He moves like lightning. You wouldn't think of it of him, but he's always seeming to use his awkwardness to 
to his advantage to throw his opponents off. Some say he learned the style from the orcs to the south. They say he learned from them how to anticipate a foe's attack by some sort of supernatural power. There's nothing supernatural about it, said the queen quietly. He gets it from his father. Mantiarco never moved like that, Vulcan chuckled. Never said he did, said Patima. Her eyes closed and her teeth gritted together. The pain's returning. You must fetch the healer. But first, I must ask you one other thing. Has the new summer palace construction begun? I think so, your highness. Do not think, she cried, gripping the sheets, biting her lips so a stream of blood dripped down her chin. Do make certain that the construction begins at once, today. Your future, my future, and the future of this child depend on it. Go. Four hours later, King Mantiarco entered the room to see his son. His queen smiled weakly as he gave her a kiss on the forehead. When she handed him the child, a tear ran down his face. Another one quickly followed, and then another. My lord, she said fondly, I know you're sentimental, but really, it's not only the child, though he is beautiful, with all the fair features of his mother. Antiarcho turned to his wife, sadly, his aged features twisted in agony. My dear wife, there is trouble at the palace. In truth, this birth is the only thing that keeps this day from being the darkest in my reign. What is it? Something at the tournament? Fatima pulled herself up in the bed. Something with Bathorg? No, it isn't the tournament, but it does relate to Bathorg. I shouldn't worry you at a time like this. You need your rest. My husband, tell me. I wanted to surprise you with a gift after the child was born, so I had the old summer palace completely renovated. It's a beautiful place, or at least it was. I thought you might like it. 
truth to tell, it was Lord Vulcan's idea. It used to be Amadetha's favorite place. Bitterness crept into the king's voice. Now I've learned why. What have you learned? asked Patima quietly. Amadetha deceived me there with my trusted war chief, Lord Thone. There were letters between them, the most perverse things you've ever read. And that's not the worst of it. No? The dates on the letters correspond with the time of Bathord's birth. The boy I raised and loved as a son. Mantiarco's voice choked up with emotion. He was Thone's child, not mine. My darling, said Patima, almost feeling sorry for the old man. She wrapped her arms around his neck as he heaved his sobs down on her and the child. Henceforth, he said quietly, Vathorg is no longer my heir. He will be banished from the kingdom. This child you have borne me today will grow to rule solitude. And perhaps more, said Patima. He is the emperor's grandson as well. We will name him Mantiarco the second. My darling, I would love that, said Patima, kissing the king's tear-stricken face. But may I suggest Uriel, after my grandfather, the emperor, who brought us together in marriage. King Mantiarco smiled at his wife and nodded his head. There was a knock at the door. My liege, said Mount Vulcan, his highness Prince Bathorg has finished the tournament and awaits you to present the award. He has successfully withstood attacks by nine archers and the giant scorpion we brought in from Hammerfell. The crowd is roaring his name. They are calling him the man who cannot be hit. I will see him said King Mantiarco sadly, and left the chamber. Oh, he can be hit all right, said Patima wearily. But it does take some doing. And this ends book two of The Wolf Queen. We will continue on the next episode with book three. And as usual, 
If you haven't found sleep yet, then consider putting these episodes either on repeat or streaming one episode directly into the next, as they are designed for you to be able to move from one to the next as seamlessly as I can make them so that you don't have any disruptions. I hope sleep finds you tonight, and I hope the cares of this world drop away, almost like water falling from your shoulders. Take a moment to relax. Rest your head. Relax your shoulders and let go of the cares of this world. Think only of Patima and her baby and what might happen next in the story. Focus on the sound of my voice, on relaxing, let every tone in the music and every note of my voice bring you rest and relaxation, and join me again next time when we read from book three and continue the story of the Wolf Queen. Have a good night.